This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Hi there, this is Heather Walker with the Winning with ADHD podcast. And I would like to talk about probably some things that are a little bit more vulnerable than I have spoken about in previous episodes. Um, Most of the episodes in the past um, related to lessons that I've learned along the way over the last 18 years in raising a child with ADHD and um, some other comorbidities such as anxiety and depression. And this month's episode is definitely a little bit more tender to my heart in the fact that we are having a hard time right now. And so while I'm constantly looking for ways to win with ADHD, and today's episode is definitely still looking for ways to win, I just wanted to acknowledge that there are times where we may not feel like we're winning. We might feel overwhelmed. We might feel incapable of meeting the demands or the needs that are placed in front of us as a parent. And maybe if you are also a parent with ADHD or some of these other diagnoses, you might feel those ways as well. As I've been looking back the last couple of weeks, I've learned that our experiences tend to have a cycle to them where I'm feeling really good about how I'm showing up. I feel like I've learned a lot of good things that I'm applying them and that more often than not that I feel like I'm showing up as what I'm going to call my favorite self, which is where I am applying the lessons that I've learned and the skills and tools that I have and that I walk away feeling like we're winning. What does winning feel like? Well, to me, that feels like I was able to help come up with a compromise. I was able to find a new way for us to solve a problem or a challenge that's in front of us, whether that be a behavioral issue, an education issue, a social issue of being able to communicate with friends and showing up in those capacities. Those are definitely areas that are challenging for those that are neurodivergent. So those are ways that usually indicate to me that I am winning and that ultimately we are winning with ADHD. And then there are times where I'm like kind of hit or miss where I'm like, man, I could have done that better. I didn't show up the way that I would prefer to show up today. And um, oftentimes that is usually because of outside factors or an inability for me to handle the stress that is either coming from the situation at hand or from other factors that have nothing to do with my child or um, the situation that we're discussing or working with, right? It could be that work is causing some extra stress or that I have a headache or, um, you know, a whole slew of other ideas um, and ways that might make it more challenging. Maybe you have other family illnesses or challenges that are happening, or maybe you're fighting with a friend or who knows what, right? Um, those are definitely factors that impact how we respond to our situations. 
And then we have times where it seems like the situations that we're dealing with kind of come at a rapid fire and that we're putting out fires just so much more frequently than at other times, right? And so there could be factors that are impacting that. Maybe it has to do with, you know, some situations that you're not aware of that your child is dealing with at school or with friends. Um, If they're older, maybe at work, maybe if your child has some comorbidities like anxiety or depression, maybe those are at an unmanageable space at that point in time that's causing them to respond and react in ways that are challenging for other family members or as a parent. And so there's just kind of like this this roller coaster ride, I guess you could say throughout life. And as a parent, as I've looked back more recently, as we've been experiencing some challenges over the last couple of months that I can see where there are points where things were pretty good, things were just okay, and things were not great at all, maybe even to the point of feeling hopeless or that there is a sense of hopelessness, or maybe you feel numb from how much is coming at you as a parent. And these could be similar feelings that your child might be feeling as they're working to navigate this as well. One thing that's been hard for me at times is, especially when I'm feeling on the bottom end of that, where, you know, maybe a little bit more on the extremely overwhelmed, not knowing what to do, hopelessness side of um, the cycle is um, a lot of times people will say, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for Emily, which is my daughter, this must be really hard for her. And when I'm in that space, when somebody says that to me, it's really hard for me because I'm like, what about me as a parent who's having to deal with this, right? Really the answer is, is that both parties, both the child and the parents and anybody else who is living in the household is impacted by this and is having feelings or having to figure out how to handle these situations. And so um, just being able to recognize that as well. So what are some ways that as parents that, that we can apply for ourselves to be able to show up as our best self or our favorite self in these different types of situations and to help us in, in these um, different cycles? So the first cycle that I talked about is you know, things are going pretty well. You offer up a suggestion. It's received well. That person, you know, your child is in a space to be able to accept that suggestion, criticism, advice, whatever it might be. And you guys are able to move forward pretty quickly and accomplish what you're looking to. That is like the most ideal way of winning with ADHD, right? Or just being successful in life, to be honest, across whether it's working relationships, family relationships, friend relationships, like that is a great way to have it work where you're able to collaborate and be able to move forward. And everybody feels like they're able to contribute and have a path and um, a way to be able to solve for whatever, you know, you're looking to do. The next area is where maybe it's kind of like hit or miss. Maybe you don't show up in a way, maybe you've got a lot of other things going on. Maybe your child is has some other things going on that are really difficult. And while it maybe isn't perfect or what you could deem perfect, like that top one is like maybe is what you might say is perfect. Not that we can ever achieve that, but that, you know, that top one is, is that more often than not, it's 
feels frictionless. And this would maybe feel like more like butting heads more often and that you're having to work a little bit harder, or maybe you're feeling more intense emotions with the situations that are coming up, but that ultimately you still feel like you're moving forward as a whole. And then that bottom group is where it's feeling like the fires are happening a lot more rapidly and that you are unable to handle it. Maybe your child's unable to handle it and just seems almost impossible um, given all of the factors that are coming in into play here. I recently uh, rewatched the movie Ford versus Ferrari and I'm probably going to misquote some of the car names or different things like that. But I hope that if you are a car enthusiast or a race car enthusiast that you'll forgive me for any misspeaking that I might do, but um, take away the lesson or the um, analogies that I found recently. So I was watching it and if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go check it out. It's um, one of those movies that to me is very inspirational in in many ways. Uh, But to give you a little bit of a synopsis, there is a race car driver named Ken Miles he is described as being difficult. He has maybe a little bit of a hothead um, and doesn't like rules in the typical sense, meaning he kind of fights them a little bit, but at the same time is an absolute genius in his industry in what he works on. So he's able to identify where a car needs to be improved upon in its mechanics, um, in the shape of it, in its airflow, in its weight, in um, you know, just the way that they route the fuel lines and whatever else it might be. He's able to identify those things by driving a car and um, pinpointing them and improving upon the car. At the same time, he is also an incredible race car driver and he's able to sense when and where he should make moves to either break or go around another car. And he's just really, really a genius in his area of expertise. And um, when I was watching that, I can see that apply here to our neurodivergent individuals, because typically they tend to have an area where they are just absolute geniuses, which I admire and love about them. And at the same time, there are some things for those of us that are neurotypical that make that really frustrating, which is where um, Carol Shelby comes into play. So he is the founder of, oh, I hope I say this right, Shelby Racing Cars, I think is what the official name was. Um, and he works with Ken Miles. He he sees the genius in Ken and he works with Ford as they partner up to create a racing car division that is um, owned by Ford. And uh, Shelby uh, sits kind of in the middle is a little bit of that intermediary or liaison between getting the win that Ford is looking for, but also the win that Shelby and Ken are looking for and trying to kind of mash Ken's defiance against rules, I guess you could say, and bureaucracy, and then also in working with Ford and how strict they are. And, you know, there's a section where they talk about pushing papers and things like that. And it's a very, very um, deliberate process as a very big organization. And so there's a, there's a scene where Ken is driving, test driving a car and he's going around the track and he's hitting the brakes so much because 
of the way that he's choosing to drive it to increase his time that the brakes get just so hot that they don't work anymore. And he ends up crashing. The car becomes engulfed in flames and the entire team comes running out. He gets out of the car, they put out the fire. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of like, what life might feel like at times of you've got this person who is just a genius at what they do, but along the way, there might be some fires that are created, right? But through the fires, we're able to refine and become stronger and better. And when they happen periodically, that can be a fairly easy ask to do, to change just a little bit, like 1%, right? But imagine if the brakes got too hot and created a fire and had to put it out multiple times a day or every single day, that would start to feel maybe a little hopeless, maybe um, overwhelmed, maybe exhausted and tired from dealing with the challenges of that is coming from those activities, right? But with each race car test run that he that Ken would do, he would find new things that they could do to improve and and um, be faster and be able to hopefully win the Lamont, which is what Ford was hoping to do that year and beat out Ferrari. And so I kind of really related to that scene within the within the movie and it's based off of a true story, right? Of what type of person Ken was and what type of a person Shelby was. And Shelby didn't show up as the best person every time. Ken didn't show up as the best person every time, but they had the same goal in mind and they were headed in the same direction. And because of that, they started to rely on each other. And there's a section where they said, I trust, they basically told each one that they trusted them. So um, there's a part where Shelby didn't divulge all of the details to Ken and he just let him know that it was a risky move, but that he felt confident in it. And even though he didn't share those details, Ken trusted him. And then there's another part towards the end where Shelby disclosed more information to Ken and gave him the full choice to do what he wanted to. Um, and Ken made his own choice on how to handle it. And so I just thought it was a really cool example of watching two people work together and where maybe some strengths came into play and the roles that they played. And I think that as a parent and a child, that we can take a lot away from that. There's another part within the movie that I really related to where Ken um, is talking to his son, Peter, and his son was just, just so, um, excited about what his dad was doing and wanted to learn about how he knew to do what, when, or um, just asked him so many questions. And so they're out on the racetrack and Ken is showing him this crack in the raceway. And he tells his son, Peter, this crack right here in the raceway lets me know that this is time for me to break, to be able to make the turn the way that I want with the right timing and create the right speed for the best success, right? And they talk about having the perfect lap and how to accomplish that. And his son, Peter says, but dad, you're going like 150 miles an hour. How do you see this tiny little crack in the road? And he says that while the car is going 150 miles an hour, and there were at times in the show where he went 200 to 220 miles, 220 miles an hour, he said, the car's going fast, but everything else around me slows down. And I really appreciated that comment that he made, because I think sometimes 
I'll speak for myself. For me, there are times when those fires keep happening, that the cars are going really fast, but my mind is going really fast with it. And I need to work on having the ability to slow everything else down around, to be able to pick up on the triggers or the warning signs or the, um, I think they call them attack marks, I think. I, I think I'm probably using the wrong word, but different places to take note of on what I should do at that time. Should I break? Should I speed up? You know, what should I be doing at this point in time to be the most successful in this situation and in this environment? This is definitely an area where I struggle the most. I want to solve the problem. I want to solve it right now. And then oftentimes I can be pretty impatient around it. And so when that happens, it's because everything's going so fast And while the car is going fast, I need to work on slowing down so that I can see the warning signs or the triggers to know what step I or response or action I should take. And so as a parent and you're dealing with these different things, being aware of how do you respond to situations? How have you done that in the past? Maybe look back at the last few situations that you've been in and when did you feel an intense amount of emotion um, or frustration? How did you respond? What did you maybe have regret or feel guilty about afterwards or wish you had done differently? Those are great ways to be able to step back and say, how can I make the car go faster and I solve the problem faster, but allow my mind to slow down and everything else go slower so that I can watch these different things happen as they're unfolding and be able to make a rational decision. Because when our minds are in like fight, flight, or freeze, for example, then we're not going to be able to respond in the ways that we want to. And so I think that's one of the things that I've been recently reminded of as we've been dealing with some difficult situations within our family I think another thing that's important is that um, recognizing the wins of what we've already done before. Um, When we have new situations arise and that come up, we are maybe pretty hard on ourselves. Maybe we beat ourselves up for how we responded because we weren't able to slow things down at the moment. But how do you handle it after that? Do you have a conversation? Well, first of all, with yourself to say, okay, here's what I've learned from this. Here's why I did that. Acknowledge what are those markings that you can look for to be able to help keep yourself on the racetrack, right? But what else can, you know, who else can you have a conversation with? Maybe it's with your spouse or your partner. Maybe it's with your child and say, you know what, I really didn't handle that well. And I think that when you do that, you're able to showcase that you have reviewed what you've done, that You don't always do everything right. I think as kids, oftentimes we think that us parents have it all figured out, which we all know is not the case. And so having that conversation and saying, you know what, I got really upset. And when I get really upset, sometimes they say things or I I just want to solve it. I want to be able to move on or, you know what, that action really hurt me or your behavior was really difficult for me and I didn't know what to do. And I think being upfront and honest about that can help us to start to have better communication to be able to help solve for the situations at hand. Sometimes we need to seek outside help. 
reaching out to a medical professional, seeking out a therapist, either for your child or for yourself, maybe sometimes both, being able to have somebody else to talk through those things. You can seek out friends or again, a partner, spouse, something like that to help you as you're working through these pieces. Working with a partner from a a parenting partner can be also a great way to be able to like tag in and tag out, knowing what your limit is or where your boundary is as to when you know that you can be productive in dealing with the situation and versus when you maybe need somebody else to step in. And depending on the situation, maybe just say, you know what, maybe we need to talk about this at another time when we've had some time to cool off or we've had some time to think about these things. Again, that's an area where I am super impatient and I just want it resolved and I want to move on. But really the, another piece is, is that sometimes just having some time allows for us to mentally process what the situation is, how to handle it what our feelings are about it. Why are we upset? Is that attached to a core value that we have? Is it because it harmed somebody else? Is it because the picture in our head looks different than what um, our child wants for their life? So maybe then asking them what they're wanting out of it and what they're wanting to accomplish. I think those are probably the main things that I have been reminded of. Again, I am a parent that is working through this and currently in the recovery of being at that point where feeling kind of like, I don't know if you would necessarily describe it rock bottom, but definitely in a place where I was starting to feel myself not to be in a good place, given the situation and trying to find out how I can show up best for myself and be in a best place for me. And then also be able to be in a best place for um, my daughter. And so if you're ever in that place, hopefully you will be able to pull upon some of these resources. The last thing that I wanted to talk about today is that this month is National Suicide Prevention Month and September 10th specifically is World Suicide Prevention Day that is recognized every single year. It's recognized with the color purple. And this year's theme for 2023 is creating hope through action. And so Winning with ADHD, the whole purpose of this podcast and the things that I am trying to accomplish is that we create hope through action. What are some of the ways that we can win? Recognizing those small wins, um, building upon them. I believe that that's where I align with Suicide Prevention Month and uh, World Suicide Prevention Day. These are challenges that our family has had to experience, and we've had friends that have had challenges with us as well. And so it is important to me as well, even though this is not a podcast dedicated towards this, but I wanted to offer some resources that I've looked up in the past. Also to note, I'm not a medical professional or um, a crisis counselor, so I'm just going to direct you to some resources that can be helpful if you're looking for more information around this. If you Google either of those names, um, a bunch of different resources will come up. Some of the things that are notated in some resources for creating hope through action is that as a person who is a friend or parent or acquaintance um, of someone is just reaching out, asking them if there's anything they can do with them. Just having a small talk conversation can be very impactful. Being able to recognize some terminology that is a strong indicator that a person might not be in a 
very solid place. A couple of ways that are, or one way that is more direct is that the person says something like the world would be better without them. They should just die. Um, the one that was, uh, that I've recently learned is that they might say, I don't want to be a burden. That one is less direct and might not register to somebody who's not feeling those feelings that that is a verbal cry for I'm not doing well. That is something that I've recently learned and experienced is that feeling like you are a burden on the world or your family or friends is a huge indicator as somebody else to take note of and to start maybe having some small talk, maybe recommending that they reach out to some resources. Oftentimes those with ADHD have comorbidities such as depression. If you know this person pretty well, you should potentially notice a change in their behaviors. Maybe they're sleeping more, maybe they're more irritable, maybe change in eating habits, um, different things like that can be indicators that they are having negative thoughts. Some of the resources that you can reach out to nationwide is you can text or call 988. They can offer help. Um, you can text and ask a question. What do I do if I have a friend who's feeling this or a child? What do I do if if I am the person having these thoughts. Also, if you have a therapist or medical professional that you're already working with, you can reach out to them. They are required to reach out and notify if you are having those types of thoughts to get help that you need. As a parent of a child with someone who has had these thoughts, please don't dismiss them. Take them to get help if you feel that they are in immediate danger of in the situation that they are in, the first place that you go is the emergency room. If you're in the state of Utah, there is an app that's called Safe Utah. You can download it. it um, the icon is red in color. It is promoted heavily in the middle schools and high schools. I know of several high school students who have reached out for thoughts that they have had, but also for friends on how should I handle this or what should I do? And they are crisis counselors that can help navigate those situations and help ensure that everyone involved are safe and have the resources and help that they need. I'm sure if you are in a different state that there are other resources available, you can Google suicide prevention help in whatever state you're in and resources will populate. Finally, if you have had those thoughts, just know that there are people that love you, care for you, and would like for you to receive the help that you need and that don't hesitate to reach out that the stigma around these feelings, the world is working to, to remove those because it doesn't make you less than just because you've had those thoughts. We all struggle with different challenges and know that the world is a brighter place because of you. Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.